fought like crazy on the glass, which was important. So couldn't be more proud of my players. Uh, my guys have done an unbelievable job since Christmas of coming back, and, and uh, we've probably done a better job of coaching them, and, and uh, we're playing well. So hopefully that will continue. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast, and Brad Brownell and Clemson suddenly have it rolling. We've been paying so much attention to what Coach Sweeney was doing and the Cats in New Orleans and on the heels of the disappointment of losing the national championship game. Don't look now, but here come the Tigers from Little John Coliseum. Three conference wins in a row. NC State, North Carolina, now Duke. Clemson has defeated the research triangle. They have taken down three of the four Tobacco Road schools. The first time Clemson has done that consecutively since Bobby Roberts was helming the Tigers back in 1967. So big-time accomplishment for Brad Brownell and the guys as they bedevil Duke, 79-72. to And honestly... Duke doesn't want to see Clemson again because they had no answer for Amar Sims, 25 points, 10 of 15 from the floor, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. Duke was forced to double Sims. They really couldn't deal with him in the paint as evidenced by some of the numbers that Clemson defeated. Uh, Duke by bested the Blue Devils in some major statistical categories, including points in the paint, total rebounds, and block shots. A lot of that thanks to Amir Sims and a lot of the excitement coming from John Newman the third. 14 points, two of them on a big dunk in the first half as well. Also hit a pair of threes, picked up four steals, which was a game high. Tevin Mack knocked down a couple of threes and was 10 of 14 from the floor. So Duke would struggle with Clemson if they played today in a target parking lot. This is a tough matchup for the Blue Devils, and Brad Brell now suddenly has things going. Big-time win for us. Um, thought we played extremely well most of the game. Um, just really had a lot of energy and juice with the crowd. I thought that helped us a little bit, um, but our kids were just pretty focused. And, um, you know, the, I was concerned about, obviously, the big win against uh, North Carolina, whether our guys would, would – uh, have enough juice because I thought it took a lot out of some of our good players and and uh, certainly our crowd I think really energized our guys today and um, you know we just did a lot of really good things we we uh, had a good mix to our game on offense um, defensively I thought we did about as good a job as we can do guarding them um, and we fought like crazy on the glass, which was important. So couldn't be more proud of my players. Uh, my guys have done an unbelievable job since Christmas of coming back, and, and uh, we've probably done a better job of coaching them, and, and uh, we're playing well. So hopefully that will continue. And one of the things that has improved so much for Clemson recently is the shooting. First three games in conference play, the Tigers 28% from the three-point line. They were simply abysmal. Couldn't get good looks. Coach Brownell? Changed a few things. A lot of credit for what he did with the extra practice time prior to the NC State game. And now Clemson finds itself rolling a little bit. And 
Lost in all of this, lost in the splendor of winning for the first time at Chapel Hill, breaking the 0 for 59 streak, turning around, going back to back, knocking out Roy Williams and now Mike Krzyzewski, is that Brad Brownell sits atop the Clemson wins list, knocking off the great Cliff Ellis. Obviously, I'm honored to have to be the winningest coach at Clemson, but that's the result of a lot of hard work from a lot of people. I got a lot, I've coached a lot of great players here and kids that have given a lot to our program and had some terrific assistant coaches that work with me. And, and it's just, it's more of a program deal than me. Uh, what I'm excited about is that I've been at Clemson for 10 years and, uh, you know, I'm, I just, I enjoy it here. My girls go to school here. I love Clemson, love being a coach here, competing in the ACC. And, uh, you know, so I'm very, very grateful, uh, for that. And, uh, humbled because there's been a lot of really good coaches that have coached here. And, uh, so to be able to, to be here as long as I have and to compete in this league, um, that's something I'm really proud of. So what does all this mean? Brad Brownell knocking off Cliff Ellis, now the all-time wins leader at Clemson, having defeated NC State, North Carolina, and Duke consecutively. Well, TeamRankings.com has Clemson as the 64th best team in the country. So they still have work to do. Uh, they built themselves quite a hold, but... With all this wood left to chop, there's so many great opportunities ahead. And we just mentioned that Clemson is playing as well as anybody right now in the ACC. How many teams would you name that you would give a chance to beat NC State, North Carolina, and Duke consecutively, including a road game in Chapel Hill? So Clemson wants to stay on Tobacco Road. They've got NC State coming up this weekend on the road this time. So, you know, the Wolfpack looking for revenge, then Wake Forest. So just stay right there on Tobacco Road. Make a home there, Clemson, because you are playing so well. Amir Sims, Tevin Mack, John Newman III, everybody is chipping in. And, of course, Sims is the key. One of the major adjustments Clemson made was get the, get the ball to Amir Sims. He's a matchup advantage for the Tigers. He gives them so much flexibility down there in the post with his athleticism. He's affecting shots defensively. Uh, everybody is buying in to getting Sims the ball, which is doing what? Getting Clemson open looks from the outside. And so a team that was shooting just 28% over its first three games in conference play knocks down 42%, eight of 19 from the three-point line last night when they had to have it against Duke. Now, we just talked about the ACC. How good is it? Well, most of the analytics out there tell you the ACC is the fourth or fifth best conference this year. That's rare. That's very rare. The ACC is, its customary spot is one or two right there with the Big East in all categories. Uh, no matter the analytics and in public opinion. Not this year. But Coach Brownell thinks the ACC is going to get tougher. It's going to get better. And he's pinpointed why the ACC didn't perform as well in December and January. But he thinks it will be a much better, much tougher league. And, and the reputation will rise as we close in on March Madness. We've had some years in the league like last year where you have three overall number one seeds. I mean, it's... Incredible. Um, it almost dominates some of the other teams. We were very good last year and had a net of 35, didn't make the tournament. You know, NC State had a, a net of 33. It was a very good team, didn't make the tournament. And uh, so sometimes that can be hard. Uh, and it, it's hard on those teams in the middle. 
Um, I think our, our league this year has really been hurt by injuries. You know, we've had a bunch of injuries. Duke had some injuries tonight. Um, obviously, North Carolina's got injured players. NC State, everybody in our league, Boston College. I mean, everybody in our league is playing with multiple players that have been hurt for big portions of the season. And that's hard. Um, eventually, you can't practice the way you want to practice. You, you maybe don't, don't have the versatility in your roster. Um, and so it's... You know, it's just been a unique season with that many new players and then all the injuries. I think it's been hard on the league. And so now, you know, sometimes it's, it's, are you fresh? Is your team healthy? Are you in a good place? And if you are, you have a chance to beat anybody in the league. And, and that's that's true for most teams. So a court storming at Little John Coliseum last night. Clemson knocks off Duke 79-72. We'll turn our attention back to the football program and talk a little baseball as well with Anthony Greer of Fox Sports Spartanburg when we come back here on the Locked on Clemson podcast. It's your team every day, and we cover the major sports on the gridiron, on the court, and on the diamond here on Locked on Clemson. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, and more, and you can find everything at LockedOnPodcast.com. Anthony Greer, Fox Sports Spartanburg, next. Sims spinning and hitting and is fouled. And that'll do it. Lipson picks the under. Anthony Greer back with us on the Locked On Clemson podcast. And we're still looking back and looking ahead. Uh, kind of a past, present, and future look at Clemson football. And Anthony, the first time we've talked to you since Clemson fell to LSU 42 25. I guess the question I want to ask you is, when did you know, watching that game, Clemson was in trouble? Maybe how did you feel going into it, and then when did you feel like they weren't going to win this night? I, you know, I think there's a couple of things within the game. First off is is early in the game, when it's 17-7, to 7, you, you knew Clemson had just left too many points on the board which is kind of similar to what we saw in the first couple of games of the year. You just knew at some point LSU was going to figure out what Clemson was trying to do defensively and going to score. But I think what you end up later on, if you're asking when you kind of know the dagger is, probably in the second half, it's a third and 19 play. And a third and 19 play against Clemson's defense, against most opponents, you sit back and go, oh, there's a 10% chance or less they're going to be able to convert this. Listen, we're all sitting there watching that championship. My family, all six, seven of us are standing up. In third and 19, we're pacing. Because with this offense, you just never feel comfortable with LSU. And once they went and converted it, I believe it was a pass interference call or something on that play, you just kind of knew right then that they weren't going to come back. Clemson scores, I think, to make it a 10-point game. They call pass interference on T. Higgins. Even then, if it's a 10-point game with 10 points, you just knew Clemson wasn't going to defensively do enough. To, they weren't going to stop LSU. They could do it once. They weren't going to do it consecutive times. We're, we just saw something last night that was all-time great. We expected maybe from Alabama last year and didn't. they didn't finish it. But this year with LSU, there just wasn't anybody, anybody that was going to be able to stop them. And it was a great season for LSU. And you're actually a great person to ask this because I, I love the way you can step back and take a look at college football. and. LSU might be one of those teams, and I, I don't even mean this to be disparaging, but I don't think they'll be back next year. Uh, Joe Brady's been hired by the the Panthers, and I think uh, Joe Burrow's going to be hired by the Bengals. So I don't suspect they'll be back, and I think Clemson will be back in the college football playoff. You know, we were actually going to talk about that before, before you called. I said, 
I wouldn't be shocked at all. This is a great story for Red Orgeron, and we know LSU has all the other pieces. They've always been that way, the defensive line, the secondary, the receivers. But it showed this year how important the quarterback position is. We all know that, but it showcased itself you know, in a huge way. I wouldn't be surprised. With Ed Orgeron, is he just another Gene Chizik? A guy, listen, brought in. Gus Malzahn, Cam Newton, and within two years was fired. I wouldn't be shocked at all in three years we looked up, and not because Ed did a terrible job, but now that you've won a national championship, congratulations, you've hit another level, but that fan base is going to have that expectation year in and year out. And for the next couple of years, I agree, they come down just a little bit. They're winning eight, nine games for the next couple of years. He's out of a job. So as great of a story as it was, as great as you know it was for college football, a refreshing for college football from a national standpoint, it's going to be kind of awfully difficult for LSU, I think, to keep that kind of momentum. You knew with Burrow leaving, they weren't going to be able to, but you thought with Joe Brady before the lead-up saying that he would still come back, that, okay, he can bring somebody in. He's not going to do what Burrow did, but if he could do 80% of what Burrow did this year, well, LSU could stay right there. But with Brady and both of them leaving, you kind of look over at Orgeron now and say, all right, it's your move again. Is this just more of a one-year kind of fluke thing, and can they sustain it? LSU won't drop completely down. They're going to be a six-win team of that nature. But it's hard not to kind of look at them and go, last night, this was the perfect ending to a destiny season, whatever you want to call it, that they had to have it. Because once the game was over, everybody's congratulating LSU. Nobody's actually – Clemson didn't play all that well. The talk with Clemson after the game was, you'll be back here next year. Now, part of that is they're great. Part of it is they play in the ACC. So we're all going, I think, national championship in Miami. We'll see you in Miami next year. For LSU, it was a day of celebration for them because chances are it may be a while before we see them back at that level. And Ed Orgeron, Ed Orgeron would probably want to come to blows with you for comparing him to Gene Chizik. Let's see how that, uh, let's see how that plays out. I'm just, I'm just throwing, I'm throwing out comparisons there. Just a couple of guys that have gone three and nine. Just <laughs> More pressure from the Blue Devils. Clemson gets it over. Newman. What not? Clemson picks the We're talking past, present, and future of Clemson football with Anthony Greer, Fox Sports Spartanburg. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast, the most exciting 25 minutes in podcasting your team every day but right now let's just glance back at the national championship game between lsu and clemson i I thought there were three things that ended up being the separator of the night easily number one was it was joe burrow versus trevor lawrence and joe burrow's at this elite level he capitalizes and trevor lawrence has his worst game as a clemson tiger trevor almost looked like a guy that was 25 and 0 and just decided, I've never lost a game. This is how we've got here. I'm going to keep sticking with it when it wasn't working with the out routes of the receivers and not using the middle of the field enough. I think a second part of it is LSU's secondary stepped up. Clemson's didn't. They got one-on-one all night and just kind of froze. And you have Kendrick doing PIs because he's afraid of getting beat. And Terrell basically just solidified he needs to come back for a year. But the third part I go to is it has to be coaching. And I, I get – when you're at a premier program like Clemson is right now, it's easy after a 29-game win streak when you lose an national championship to LSU, something that you really shouldn't be that upset about, to nitpick Tony Elliott. But we kind of have to because, hey, man, this is your show next year. Jeff Scott's going off to South Florida. 
and you just kind of have to look at them. We've seen this with Clemson in big games over and over again in the past, where they get in these big games against Alabama or Notre Dame or Ohio State, now LSU, and for some odd reasons, they end up abandoning the run at some point in the game, and it makes no sense. And just like you said, yesterday you're sitting there, it's clear as day that Trevor's just not having a good day, doesn't have it. I guess 13 overthrows didn't let you – I don't know how you didn't see that. But every time ETN got the ball, it's six, seven, eight yards a pump. And then the stat that blows my mind is in the fourth quarter, he didn't get one touch. How is it a guy that's having a good night? You're back in New Orleans at his hometown. You're not able to have a good night. You're not giving it to him in the fourth quarter. That makes That is a complete coaching blunder. And you just kind of have to look at Tony Allen and go, listen, this is the bad part of not playing anybody during the regular season and having to wait to the playoffs to get to these elite games. You can't continuously go into big-time games and just completely give up the run game. Because Clemson made it clear in the game that they were going to run the play clock down all the way to zero and try to keep it. But Trevor would just kind of go up to the lines, maybe make a call back up, and then it'd be just down the same pass plays again that just weren't there. ETN's broken every Clemson record there is to have rushing. He's done it in three years. He's done it in less carries. We've seen all these stats. How in the world that guy's not a bigger part of your game plan late in the game when your quarterback's struggling just kind of befuddles me. And, and, and really, if you're Tony Elliott, all right, you're the guy that, that gets the keys to this next season. You know, I've got some concerns we go next year once I get to the regular season and get into big bowl games. Are you going to do this again? If your quarterback doesn't have it, you can't just put it all on his shoulders if it's just not there. So I just, coaching-wise, bad calls, bad, you know, not sitting there, being able to see that or see it as quickly, and forcing your quarterback into position that was no win going up against Joe Burrow, who at this point just completed the best college football season we may have ever seen from a quarterback. You put your quarterback in a bad position, and at the end of the night, you're kind of lucky. You only lost by 17. Yeah, but Clemson wins 29 of 30, and as you just mentioned a few uh, few minutes ago, they're likely back next season. So as we move forward, who are Clemson's challengers? Um, if you don't think it's going to be LSU, can Alabama come back? But they won't have Tua. Uh, George is going to have to do it maybe with Jamie Newman transferring in. And actually, a lot of the teams that I would talk about would be from the SEC, and they'll knock each other off. They'll eat right. each other along the way. So Clemson's in a really good position. And as you look at the landscape of college football, who do you see that you think might challenge? Clemson will probably be one of those final four teams last year. Who else might fill those slots, and who concerns you? You know, it's so weird because we actually did this on our show earlier today, the way-too-early top 25. You know, here we are, not even 24 hours removed from the national championship. Of course, we're already looking ahead. And they roll out this top 25 list, and clearly Clemson's one and Ohio State's two. And then you get kind of down to Alabama, Oregon, Georgia. These are the teams that have third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And every single one of those teams has a quarterback question. That's not to say that somebody can't come in and be successful. A Jamie Newman at Georgia, and they have a season like LSU, not offensively, but just kind of a come out of the middle of nowhere. I think if you look at next year as a whole, just early, sitting here January 14th, I think it's a lot like last year where we're going to be sitting here about a month in if you're a Clemson fan, and you're going to be watching Clemson football games, and then if you have a second TV or if they play at a different time, you flip over, you're going to be watching a lot of Ohio State games. Ohio State's we learned this year, we didn't know what Justin Fields could do. To me, it was either he's as advertised, as y'all said, when the same class he came out with Trevor Lawrence, 
And if that's the case, Ohio State's going to run the table. They're going to look fantastic. Or he's not as advertised, and they're going to go like 9-3. and three. And what were they? Ohio State this past year, without Urban Meyer, with that cloud being gone, was much better. Yeah, they got to replace some guys on defense. But we've talked about this before, Smitty. They're recruiting at a high level. It's Ohio State. They've been recruiting at a high level for a long time. They're much like Clemson in the ACC. They're worlds better than everybody else in the Big Ten. They're almost like the same situation. The Big Ten's better than the ACC, but Ohio State in recruiting rankings is just pulling away from everybody. So for me, right now, eight months before the season begins, if there's one team I have pegged, I think the National Championship's in Miami next year, there's a pretty good chance I think you're probably looking at Clemson and Ohio State. I, I would agree with that, and I like what you just said about Ohio State being in a good situation just like Clemson. And if you look at the college football playoff, I think one of the best arguments to expand it might just be to shake things up because would you bet against Clemson, Ohio State, an SEC rep, and then like a party crasher like Oregon or Oklahoma or Texas next year? I mean, isn't that isn't that the formula right now for the four-team playoff? I mean, you're, you're pretty much right. I mean, where are we five, six years in, and it's pretty much the same thing where it's, it's, it's a Clemson-Ohio State. Even if it's not Ohio State, you know you're going to get an SEC team in there. Maybe this year will be the first year they kind of beat everybody up and there's a one-loss SEC team. And then there's always kind of that fourth team that you kind of look at and go, uh, you're here, you're Washington, Michigan State. Well, uh, yep. somebody had to be here in the fourth spot, so here you go. I, You know, do you want to expand it a little bit? I don't know. My argument for that always has been I'll expand it when the semifinal games get good because we just haven't had a lot of good semifinal games. Ohio State-Clemson was this year. The Oklahoma-Georgia game a couple of years ago was. We're just sitting here right now where there's 130 teams, and when we start at the end of August, early September, more than half are eliminated already. And at the end of the day, there's really only about seven or eight programs that can usually continually every year compete for a national championship. And even then, half of those teams most years have a down year or changing out quarterbacks or they lose a lot of people on the defensive line, what it may have you. And we're just kind of sitting here at the end of the day, we look up, and it's kind of the same couple of teams. And as we said, Ohio State and Clemson, they're pulling away in their conference. So you almost get into September going, you can go ahead and just punch their ticket. And, you know, of course, injuries could happen. That could shake it up. But if that doesn't happen, well, 14 playoff, there's two teams already. I don't think expansion is necessarily the answer until we get to a time where somebody believes the fifth-ranked team is also the best team in the country. And so far, we haven't had that. Most of the time, the fourth-ranked team, we already know, is uh, is going home with some nice parting gifts. That's where we are. All right, one question about college baseball, Anthony, and I want it to be short. I just want a straight answer here. All right. But D1 Baseball came out with its rankings, and there was not a team from the state of South Carolina ranked, Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. South Carolina, or Clemson. Obviously, three teams that have been to the College World Series recently and have, have done damage. And just, it, you know, in the shortest way you can put it, should there be a South Carolina team ranked by D1 Baseball in the preseason? I wouldn't surprise at all. I think the biggest surprise I saw over D1 was, listen, Louisville may be great. How in the heck do you have Vandy, too? Vandy should be number one. But you kind of scroll down, and I think what we've seen in the last couple of I, years. I thought Vandy was actually moving into the Pacific Coast League this year in AAA. It, I thought that, they had. Exactly. But just usually years past, Clemson or South Carolina kind of sneaks into the top 25 on name alone. And I think they've seen enough. We understand where South Carolina's at. They're in, they're still in a rebuild mode. Smitty, you know this better than anybody. Baseball, it takes four or five years. 
because you got to build up through pitching. You got to get the first wave in there. You got to develop them. And then while they're developing, you get the next wave kind of coming in. South Carolina, listen, it should be better. State-wise, it should be better than it was last year. South Carolina shouldn't be as bad. Clemson, this will be the best pitching I think Money Lee's had the most depth. I don't know where the runs are going to come from, but we'll see. Coastal Carolina, yeah, yeah, had a nice year last year. They're going to kind of be there, but should any of these teams are deserving of top 25 at this point? No. That's not to say that these teams end up having a better year and maybe one of them finally gets back to a super regional. But at the end of the day, are they are on paper, are any of them worthy of top 25? No. But I will say this, last year is the first year in almost 40 years where, where and then the state was just that bad. We almost didn't end up with any teams making the tournament. I expect a little bit of a rebound this year. Nobody's going to Omaha or winning a national championship, but I wouldn't be surprised at Clemson or Coastal Carolina, somebody of that nature, getting in. And then, of course, the tournament that it is, being crapshoot, somebody will look up and they're in a super regional somewhere. So I expect it to be a much better year. But at the same time, you know this, preseason rankings are based on what you did last year. None of these teams did anything worthy last year to be in the top 25.